Welcome to the Green Majority. Everybody's in the middle of doing their sort of looking back at 2014. Uh, my inbox is a flutter with uh, the best ofs and top tens and uh, horrible things. And did you see this? And did you see that? Um, and you know what? I was there, Stefan. Mm. Um, so I wasn't terribly excited about doing a Green Majority look back. So we can talk about some look back stuff. In fact, I think we have to sort of compare against today and, the, and yesterday to talk about tomorrow. Um, but today's show is mostly about tomorrow. Um, so what I wanted to do was I'm actually going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to play a clip. And then I have a few topics which are actually really ranging everywhere from barely to not at all directly related to the environment. Ooh. Because I just want to sort of talk about today's show is the world we live in, mm. Stefan. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to play a little bit of a clip. The second I start playing it, I won't tell you what it is until it plays. The second it plays, everybody's going to know what it's from. But the, what's really, really important is why I'm... I am playing it. So please uh, don't freak out. <laughs> we're just going to go to this. Um, I, I cut it down to about less than two minutes. So we're going to play this very brief, very brief clip. And we'll be back to discuss it in just a moment. So you're listening to the Green Majority. We're just going to a very brief clip here. We'll be right back to talk about it. Allow me first to apologize for this emergency channel. I do, like many of you, appreciate the comforts of the everyday routine, the security of the familiar, the tranquility, repetition. Bloody hell. I enjoy them as much as any bloke. But in the spirit of commemoration whereby those important events of the past, usually associated with someone's death or the end of some awful bloody struggle, are celebrated with a nice holiday, I thought we could mark this November the 5th, a day that is sadly no longer remembered, by taking some time out of our daily lives to sit down and have a little chat. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. We think, just let me think. I suspect even now, orders are being shouted into telephones and men with guns will soon be on their way. It's Chancellor Sutler. Damn it! Why? Because while the truncheon may be used in lieu of conversation, words will always retain their power. Words offer the means to meaning, and for those who will listen, the enunciation of truth. And the truth is, there is something terribly wrong with this country, isn't there? You designed it, sir. You wanted it foolproof. You told me every television in London. Cruelty and injustice, intolerance and oppression. And where once you had the freedom to object, to think and speak as you saw fit, you now have sensors and systems of surveillance coercing your conformity and submitting your submission. We need cameras. How did this happen? Who's to blame? Well, certainly there are those who are more responsible than others, and they will be held accountable. But again, truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only look into a mirror. I know why you did it. I know you were afraid. Who wouldn't be? War, terror, disease. There were a myriad of problems which conspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your common sense. Fear got the best of you, and in your panic you turned to the now High Chancellor Adam Sutler. He promised you order, he promised you peace. And all he demanded in return was your silent, obedient consent. More than 400 years ago, a great citizen wished to embed the 5th of November forever in our memory. His hope was to remind the world that fairness, justice, and freedom are more than words. They are perspectives. 
All right. So everybody who already knows where that's from, and uh, if you don't, uh, congratulations. You're the only person on the planet that hasn't seen V for Vendetta. The reason I played that is, let's be very clear about one thing. That is not the world we live in. That's an absolute fantasy world, um, of course. Uh, I don't even think it's necessarily representative of the world that we live in. What I wanted to discuss about um, the particular, uh, what's what's referred to on the interwebs as the revolutionary speech, was that we live in a world right now where there is a lot of people talking about um, corruption. Uh, there's a lot of people talking about censorship. We nary a day goes by when I don't hear some reference to George Orwell's 1984. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of concern about surveillance. And so while the movie is in, I think, no way representative within the story and the particular events and the types of things that it's talking about and any of that stuff, there's, you know, any any simulation to people real or dead is completely in your own mind. Um, however, as far as a catalog of themes, I think that's largely due uh, to why um, that film ended up being such a powerful thing. Um, that people have so often used. Of course, the Guy Fox mask is associated with Anonymous, which is associated with all of all sorts of leaks and revealing things about torture programs and surveillance and all sorts of stuff. And so it does have a lot of a lot of metaphorical value. And so one of the things I actually wanted to start talking about a lot today was sort of about the, the role in which people see the world that they live in has a lot to do with how they act. Um, and I think we're living in a world today, particularly in Canada, where People are seem particularly uh, interested in the role of the state, but they do not apparently um, have a lot of agreement about what that role should be. Uh, there may be people on our side of the fence, you might say, and, and I'm putting our side of the fence as in everything in the middle and everything to one side of it, mm -hmm. uh, not, you know, sort of our side of the fence as in, you know, the three things that make you completely agree with me and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> um, is, is that there is a concern that right now we have too much surveillance. I think you would probably agree that the, you are, you're at least concerned about privacy. Is that correct, Stephen? Yeah. Uh, I, th I, think I, I think I probably um, – I think the surveillance is an interesting issue because it's one of those things where I think it has – it comes to a point where I, I know that if I knew the full extent of it, it would terrify me. Uh, but I don't. But I, but I think at this current moment, I I get preoccupied on other issues, and so it's something I haven't looked into probably enough uh, to have, you know, with the with the amount of surveillance that goes on uh, that I know of. Honestly, part of the thing I get for the surveillance is the amount of information we give away for free is almost more information than the information that they're getting illegally sometimes. See, Stefan, that's why I don't need to email you before the show because you always know what I'm getting at. Thank <laughs> you for nailing that. I did well, not coach you into that answer. Like the, the – at least, at least, at least the, the biggest example I have is, is the fact that Target can know when you're pregnant before your dad does. That was my favorite story ever. Yeah. Um, if, for those who are aware of that, there's a story of this woman who's buying patterns at Target uh, perfectly matched uh, basically what someone started getting pregnant was and they started sending pregnancy flyers to to her father's house because that's where she lived he got incredibly angry called up target had this massive fight with them and then she came, she revealed them that she was in fact pregnant and I, like w when corporations are are taking big are, t are are collecting as much data as they are now on their customers in that sort of way and analyzing that sort of way the the fact that we're also getting our phone records in some way, f the, 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 the metadata from phone records are being taken suddenly becomes less interesting to me. Yet at the same time, the fact that they can get that and the NSA can go directly listen to your Skype conversations is bona fide or Orwellian. <laughs> uh, so there's, <laughs> there's, 
there, there are different sides to this whole thing. Well, and I think I'm, I, there's a couple of things you just touched on that I that I want to that I want to chat about. And what, you 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 just nailed, sort of nailed both of them as far as the things I wanted to get at. But one of them was the Facebook thing because the Facebook thing is great because I mean I, again I won't it doesn't matter who it was so I won't it, you know I won't point out who it was. But I was part of a, a chain a Facebook chain yesterday um, that. Uh, it was a conversation talking about oh you know you know where where should we go and take this conversation that's private after uh, this date because you know as of January second or whatever as of today I guess um, all of, all of the privacy rules are going to be changing and you know blah 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 is going to happen and and the irony of the conversation taking place on Facebook about how they have to go which other service should we use just to me seemed very sort of I was trying to find my my next Star Trek Next Generation Picard facepalm <laughs> photo I I nearly gave myself a hernia trying to get it quickly um, which is one of those things but it, like I think that's one of the interesting things is the sort of the, the participation in this in this barrier of information and. What's really, I think, where the key thing is, is that I think it it, it sort of leaves out the, an important component when we when we get into things like being a protester or being an activist or any any of these words. These words have very different meaning now, and we participate in the sharing of information, and we should, and we love it. We just don't like it when sort of the the scary government does it. But I think people who, you know, and, and I'm not going to, clearly, we're not going to open up the phone lines. We're not, mm-hmm. I should underline, we're not going <laughs> to open up the phone lines. But, you know, I, I occasionally get into conversations on Twitter and Facebook and all this stuff with people, oh, well, haven't you seen the Alex Jones special on the New World Order and the blah, blah, blah. blah. You, you give, my problem with those things is that, you know, a good conspiracy theory can't be disproved, but that's called bad science. It's called non-falsifiability. It's nonsense uh, by definition. Mm. But what's really important about that was that I think you're giving people entirely too much credit. I don't actually think they're that smart. You know, and I, yes, I think there's corruption. Yes, I think we have a, an issue with privacy. But really, the best thing to do is not to lock yourself in your basement with an, an, an army of guns and two years supply worth of Campbell's soup. It, the, uh, the, the, the issue here is come out and have a real conversation. And I, and I think that that's sort of what I wanted to talk about in the year of 2015 a little bit as we go forward was sort of maybe just this is a good point to just sort of ask you the question, which is sort of, you know, do you do you think that concerns over privacy is preventing people from having these conversations? I, I want to open it up just by saying I don't. I, I don't think in the slightest, no matter how many times we hear people being concerned about so-and-so owns your data and everybody can see what you're doing. I don't see this really stifling any genuine conversation. People that are literally do just want to chat and don't have nefarious concerns. I don't see them actually this having a chilling effect on their conversations. Mm. I think I think that, I think that comes down to the question of of how far do we think they're willing to go? I think it basically comes down to it, once once absolutely everything is under once once you are listening to everything. At what point do you start trying to you know pre police and start going after the people beforehand? Which I think is the concern. Um, I don't think it's – I think right now I don't think it's stifling conversation. I think there are other parts of the world uh, – there, there are other parts of the world where it is. There's like surveillance in other places uh, definitely have – has proven to be able to be that stifling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at some point in time you have to start being worried about that. Yeah, uh, sorry. I'm so used to um, being nationally syndicated here in Canada that I keep forgetting. Yes, all of my comments are being restrained to Canada at mm, this time. Yes, right. I, I understand we could, <laughs> we could you know, go um, to many, many other countries and, and this would not be paranoia. Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, especially Canada. I think Canada, we're probably even even you know, even better off than the United States. Uh, but I think in the end, it's, it really comes down to whether or not you actually think what you think the government wants to do with this information. 
Um, and 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 right now, I think you're right. I think I I think you are giving them you are giving them too much credit to presume that they're going to be able to go and and actually start you know cracking down on, on on weird small things that you know if I go out and send a Facebook message that says I'm going to go protest on the streets, I'm not going to get arrested by walking out the door. Uh, but the question is, once they have all that information, once they're employing half the, a large percentage of people to read everyone's Facebook messages, uh, like where do you, where do you, where does your trust of the government stop? Right. Um, and and uh, you know, as someone, who, as someone who, who, which is an interesting question for I think for the left, uh, because the left sort of has this ne- needs to push this inherent trust of government. You need to trust government to believe that you know higher taxes are a good thing. Uh, you need to trust government to believe that you know that they are they are the ones who should be running our healthcare uh, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 at the same time, they're also the ones. It's more more commonly you think the left and then the libertarian right uh, who are coming out against sort of this ex- expansion of state power in this in this specific area. But um, here's the point where I want to be really clear about what I what I am and what I'm not saying. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not saying that I don't have a concern that that it could go there. Right. And I'm not even saying that I don't think that there are definitely some people and some agents and some uh, uh you know some groups of people that would love to do that stuff. Um but because they don't currently yet to any significant degree such that it can, you know, that that we feel like, you know, I I would have any concern about being, you know, black bagged for going and, and protesting something mm. living here in Toronto is that if if your concern is if your response to that is yes, you know, but Darren you're a fool because they could at any time, then my response to that is well then we should use it while we can. And what we should use it about is saying Hey, this isn't going to fly, right? And and I guess what my big objection to is not because I think that it's impossible that we could one day live in that world. I'm I'm aware of the fact that other countries do, and I'm not that naive to think that it could that it could never get that way. What I, I guess what my what my concern is is that there are people that are concerned about that. Through the response to that is to voluntarily censor themselves and go hide in a hole now, right? Which right. just seems entirely useless. And if you wanted to be really paranoid about it, then you'd be like, congratulations, you just you're just you just forfeit it. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's. I think that's the key. There is that. Is that it, the easiest way to keep people from doing anything is to scare them. And if there's as long as they're as long as they're scared, keeps them inside, then you're winning. You want to hear a crazy conspiracy theory? Why would you go and spend a hundred trillion dollars on some crazy uh, Skynet surveillance system when all you have to do is write a Facebook post and promote it for fifty dollars a week to th- make people think you do, and they voluntarily censor themselves? <laughs> I think that's there's well there's that uh, there's that I think it was a Onion article that was the CIA closes most uh, like greatest operation ever Facebook, <laughs> uh, which to be fair would have been genius on their part. Uh, all right. So I want to move on to one other thing. And, and as I said, I do apologize to our regular listeners who are maybe expecting a, a slightly more environment-focused thing today. You're going to have to read between the lines a little bit about um, how this applies to the environment. But there's, it's just sort of – again, it's you know, it's over the holidays I spent a lot of time just sort of reading news on a wider scope than I normally do. And I watched a whole bunch of movies clearly. And uh, another thing that really jumped out at me today, which which – I think does also eventually have a, a link back to what we're talking about, just as far as like the world we live in here is uh, I don't know if you've been following, I don't know if you're an Xbox One player mm. or, or PlayStation Network. Have you been uh, trying to play any online games this holiday? I tried to watch Netflix one day and PSN was down. You have to watch, for some reason that exists. Mm. I don't really know why you have to be on PS1, the PS Network to watch Netflix on your, on your, on your PlayStation. Because clearly PSN is part of the conspiracy. Right, naturally. Uh, no, well, it was, it was the story about um, the, the quote-unquote uh, lizard squad mm. um, uh, who turned Turns out I called it, by the way, it was a bunch of teenagers, um, <laughs> as far as I can tell. Um, 
was so a bunch of uh, youthful uh, hackers went and shut down uh, the PlayStation Network, which if you don't play video games, you might be scratching your head as to why anyone cares. But it is a hundred billion dollar a year industry. So, yes, lots of people were very upset. Um, and what was really interesting about it was that they were sort of being really brazen. And so the, the really interesting part of the story happened when this other group of uh, hackers uh, who titled themselves, which really you guys really need to work harder on your names. Like there's clearly no branding people involved here, <laughs> um, was was set up by something called finest squad mm. um which uh anyway facepalm on that but anyway uh, they come up with really cool graphics though mm. i love the graphics they're the the internet hackers are all about cool graphics but terrible names <laughs> um basically was took it upon themselves they they essentially made an internet militia uh, and electronically stalked these guys down and, and flooded their information into the internet and now they're all exposed and you can go and I'm not going to give them the credit of saying what their actual names are, but you can now go find out these guys that essentially had you know giants like Microsoft and Sony um, essentially freaking out and, and shaking in their boots all weekend. There's a, there's a couple of really interesting points to this story and, and, and I'll sort of get more clear as to why I'm mentioning it on this show today in a moment. Um, but what was really interesting before we sort of go on to the implications of this was was just the idea of um – well, there's really two. One of them was that the best part of it was that so this this other group of hackers, the ones that stopped the original troublemakers, uh, or at least outed them and, and got them sort of a couple of them got arrested and stuff like that of the people that were originally harassing them, um, was a was that the first thing they did was they they went and they tracked down the guys who were the troublemakers and then also contacted Sony and said, by the way, here's the exploits they were using in your system, um, you goofballs. Um, here's how you can prevent this from happening in the future. So there's really two things there. One, which is that it really doesn't seem to take very long for a bunch of computer nerds to find holes in multi-million dollar corporation security systems. Um, and what does that say about the world we live in? And the other thing was that they uh, went and, in this case, um, cooperated in some to some extent with law enforcement and had them arrested. Um, and so I think some of these conversations we were having about, you know, um, people's mixed, uh, you know, the idea of anonymous is, is very, very controversial online. And, you know, should we or should we not be supporting vigilante justice and this sort of thing? I don't know. I, I kind of want to leave you with that question now. Where do you stand on Internet vigilante justice? I think in the same place that I stand on regular, uh, regular justice or re regular vigilante justice, uh, which is that it's one of those things which. Obviously not promoting it. That, that was yes. not one of the multiple choice <laughs> answers, which because um, I mean, obviously, it's obviously you can't do it. Right. Uh, but where do you sort of stand as far as um, are you at least like, well, you know, that was definitely the wrong way to do it. And I think the people that did commit it, you know, should mm -hmm. also get in trouble because they broke some laws. Right. However, you know, it's kind of, you know, at the, for, for a brief moment, it's kind of fun to think that at least somebody, you know, got the bad guys. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, I think it mostly speaks to the fact that we live in a world that's that the current overarching system doesn't really understand like how the FBI or the CIA or Sony hasn't decided to employ enough people to figure this sort of thing out is beyond me well, and funnily enough, in, in the article that I read, that was one of the things that the – I'm just going to keep calling them the, the bad guys and the good guys, that only for the sake of not confusing people with these ridiculous internet names. Um, you know, But the bad guys just means the guys that shut down the network right. and the good guys is in big scare quotes because I just mean them because they're the guys that caught those guys. Uh, but was it the bad guys um, – basically taunted Sony saying you should have just gone and recruited from prisons rather than from this because the people that are the best equipped to defend you are the people that you've been trying to jail for attacking you. 
And it was it was just funny that yeah. the guy the guys that committed the crime were were taunting them, being like, "You should have hired us." Basically, yeah. was, that was basically what they were saying was, "That's what you get for not hiring us." Well, like, and, and that's the thing, right? It, it's it comes down to this sort of interesting tenet in which you, the world is always ruled by people who don't fully understand it. <laughs> that's just how it works. You're, you're always you're always about ten to fifteen years out of date by the time you get in, by the time you get most of the power. And at that point, you sort of end up. And then because of how quickly the internet's moved, you have a whole bunch of people who are running these things that don't even understand how they exist. You know, like the I'm, I'm sure if you looked all across the, the the chair of the FCC or any sort of thing like that, you get a whole bunch of people who didn't grow up with computers. An average right? an, an, adri- an average age of ninety nine, probably. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah, like maybe maybe eighty five. Uh, but get it. This is this is the this is the the world. That's the problem. Is that if like you don't need if if the vigilante justice is only required when real justice isn't available, mm. and. If if the if the FBI or CIA had had people who or or Sony had people who would actually stop this, they would have. Mm. Um, and or maybe they're part of some larger game that we don't understand, which is who knows. That's good. That's against yeah. conspiracy theories. Um, but like that's it for me. It's like it's good that that people can now play PS, go on PlayStation to play their games. Uh, again, it's one of those smaller things, but. It comes down to whether or not the people in power are willing to actually hire the people who can actually do the job or not. And if they're not going to be hired, this is what's going to keep happening, uh, and that's it. You know, maybe that ends up being the pe- because of the way that because of the way it works. I don't know why the, the, this is the sort of the world we live in. Um, although you know, there's a whole bunch of interest into whether or not and how much you actually trust regular justice now, given the amount of uh, amount of police violence we're seeing. If, if you're on top of the world we live in, you can hardly ignore the amount of police violence that we're, we're, we're currently in. But that's a whole different issue. Right. Uh, but but that's the thing, is, is, is whether or not vigilante justice uh, exists only when regular justice fails. Uh, so just hire someone who knows what to do the job. When, and you're not even saying it should exist. It's, no. You're, you're not promoting the idea of vigilante justice. What I hear you saying is that sort of like, it, it, it's just when actual justice fails, people start looking to like, well, who's going to solve this? And 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 it, apparently, you know, with a large enough population, eventually somebody sort of stands up and says, "Fine, I'll do it." Yeah, it was which just doesn't mean we like that. It doesn't mean we approve of that. But what we are saying is, maybe you guys should have done something before somebody decided to take it into their own hands. Yeah, and not only that, if it was honestly, I bet you, if this was something else that was more important, more important, but not as interesting to people who would normally be who know how to do this, like if this if instead of shutting down the PlayStation network, they shut down some hospital network. I bet you it would have taken longer to get it back up because the people who needed who wouldn't be affected by it. That's the most ridiculous point of the day um okay so we're we're stretching out sort of the first component i want to go to our few music break but i i, I want to sort of leave this part of the the topic behind us so i want to just really quickly get you to comment on uh, two other things one of them was the uh, the movie the interview which came out which has obviously been all over yeah. the uh, the news uh, preemptive sigh from yeah. from stefan <laughs> um the, the thing uh, the thing there again it's um uh, not really to get into the sort of the conversation about the movie itself, um, but again, it's it's just sort of another illustration of this is sort of the world that we now live in, right? I mean, um, I the one thing that I haven't seen discussed by anybody was that regardless of who it is, a, a movie you're making about the assassination about somebody who's alive um, makes me really uncomfortable. And I know he's you know a, a horrible person and it's a horrible state and and committed all sorts. I'm not saying that. I just saying, and I'm not even saying they shouldn't have done it. I just think it was it was poor taste in the first place. Oh, we well, knew um, it was going to be poor taste in the first place. The whole thing is undoubtedly racist. I haven't seen the movie, but there's absolutely no question that that's going to be unbelievably bad. Mm. Um, yeah. So my opinion of it is that it was an unbelievably useless sidetrack to that completely managed to segue any conversation about the torture report. 
Like, I don't care. I don't care if people don't get to see the interview. I don't care if people get to see the interview. I don't care if North Korea is angry about it. Honestly, I, I made this point to someone, to a friend of mine. It, it, I would be more concerned if it was five angry people in the United States who had done that hack than if it was North Korea. We know how to deal with foreign states. What they don't know how to deal with is a bunch of radicals inside the United States. Uh, so the fact that the blame on North Korea as if it's a scare tactic to me was kind of ridiculous, given the fact that we like, that we, that we know we understand North Korea. You don't understand five rogue agents inside the United States. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, like it completely sidewalked the conversation on the torture report, and that's just insane. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a really good um, place to uh, leave it. We're going to come back to some of these things a little bit, but uh, I have a couple clips from a couple different movies that will take our conversation in a bit of a different turn. This was sort of like the the least directly relevant to sort of environment uh, uh-huh. was this first section. So we're going to go to our first music break. We will come back and uh, have a little bit more fun with movie clips. You're listening to, believe it or not, today, The Green Majority. <laughs> You're on CIUT 89.5 FM. We'll be right back. Super saturated, the beauty of a landscape. I want to paint on a base coat of white, brushed with navy blue sweats. On the lift of the stroke of the waves, the gulls delve Deep in the depths, they do rounds with the fins In a flourish of color, on an easel they spin And the waves splash the air, like oil drops that fly On the tip of our brush, riding wet on the tide The fresh coats of harbor dry with a last drop of paint on names we both sign super saturation the beauty of the landscape
we are back. You're listening to The Green Majority here today with a, a very um, different sort of theme. This is sort of not necessarily what we can expect for the, the next year, but we're just sort of dealing with some sort of meta themes today before we swing into our regular sort of programming structure. What I wanted to do, because we're... Um, we had a good talk on that first section. I, I, I want to sort of get to these next little bits without too much delay. Um, so what we've got now, I'm just going to warn you. If you haven't seen this movie, uh, I believe it was 1976. There's a movie from 1976 called Network. The followers, uh follows a character, Howard Beale. And it's an incredibly powerful movie with a whole bunch of, of really powerful scenes. And I have two of them for you because what we're going to talk about in this middle section is kind of the role of the media. And what I wanted to do as a as sort of as a comparison was to play this clip, A, because it was really powerful, but B, because keep in mind, this movie, this movie was fiction, theoretically, mm-hmm. and was from 1976. So let's just go ahead and play the first clip and we'll come back and talk about it. This is Network. Oil ministers of the OPEC nations meeting in Vienna still haven't decided how much more to increase the price of oil next Wednesday. Ready, VTA? Yeah. Iran and okay, he came in the building about five minutes ago. Well, VTA. Tell Snowden when he comes in. Nine, eight, get that ball? They just six, five, four, three, two, one. VTA. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. and There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I want you to get up right now. Get up, go to your windows, open them, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Things have got to change. How many stations does this go out You've got to get mad. I know it goes to Louisville and Atlanta. I'm not going to take this anymore. Then we'll figure out what to do about the depression and the inflation and the oil crisis. But first, get up out of your chairs, open the window, stick your head out and yell, and say, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. (laughs) All right. In case you tuned in in the middle of that clip, you might be wondering what the heck we're doing here. You're listening to The Green Majority. And the reason I played that clip, that was 1976's uh, rant, the I'm mad as hell rant from Howard Beale from Network. Um, There's a couple of points in that. One of them 
was just the amount of creepily similar to you could have easily heard that today. And, and I mean, pretty much about everything he said in that clip was was something we, that was, you easily could have been a movie about 2015. Um, but there's two things in that. And Kevin, I wanted to throw to you for a quick comment on this, um, was one about that sort of similarity and about, you know, have things changed? Are we actually living in a different world than we were? Um, the other thing I wanted to point out about that clip, and the reason I, I didn't take out some of the background noise that was in there was the entire time while, while this guy is doing his impassioned speech and in the movie, he's kind of having a bit of a breakdown. I'm sure you could sort of see his, you know, f- crazy hair and, and unshowered, uh, you know, rain uh, jacket pulled over and, and everything and, and just looking like a bit of a mess when he's when he's doing that rant um, was the, was the, the voice of the people in the background going, stay with him, stay with him. We've got this on 100 stations. Everybody's watching. We're making so much money while this guy's freaking out about the system. Kevin, I, I want to just I, without any further, further uh, setting it up, I just want to sort of get your comment. Does, the, does this represent 2015 in any way? Oh, hi, everyone. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, some like some of it definitely. I mean, some of the comments you made. This is a classic movie. People probably should see it uh, just for its own merits. Um, you know, some of the things he talked about, like you know, the the being inundated with um, kind of uh, reports of street crime, or you know, I mean, if a like anything kind of any sort of spectacular traffic accident seems to happen anywhere in the world, that sort of leads the news, right? For some weird reason, the if it if it bleeds, it leads mantra. And, uh, and, you know, some of that is still entirely true, you know, that just, you know, we're a lot of corporate media is just a, a kind of a kind of an, a, a landslide of sensationalism and trivia in, in a lot of cases. And and, you know, like, for instance, um, I, I, I read a few of the sort of, you know, year end year in review musings our our top 10 lists for 2014 and the stars, darts and laurels section and and all of these sort of looking back and. Uh, in in all of these year in review comments, no one's mentioned that 2014 is the hottest year ever recorded. You know, so I mean, we, we we're, we're musing about what did Rob Ford mean, and uh, uh, and you know, on a much more important thing, we're musing we're, we're musing about things that matter. You know, uh, like the the scandal with Gian Gomeshi at, at CBC, and, and you know, some things that matter, some things that really kind of just don't seem to matter. But nowhere did anyone say. Oh look, we've broken the we've broken the record for hottest year ever, nineteen times now or eighteen times now. We haven't broken the record for coldest year ever since nineteen oh nine. There hasn't been a record cold year in over a hundred years, but we've broken the record for hottest year, you know, seventeen, eighteen times, whatever. It's it's many times now, and we just broke it again. So, so you know, yeah. And the the other thing, it, it, this will probably get touched on in the next clip, I think, is. Is kind of the the corporatization of media, like when you. So some of it's the same. Like the point I want to make is that some of this is definitely the same. Uh, you know, we, we we you know if it leads, it bleeds. It's a lot of sensationalism and a lot of stuff like that. And that's that's just never going to change. That's just kind of, you know, if, if that's the news you want to report, you can you can drum up all those stories you want to keep people sort of glued to their TVs and you know afraid of going out of their front doors and, and whatnot. And and the, in, in many ways, though, it is substantially worse. And uh, with the sort of the the creeping corporatization and commercialization of news media and frankly everything and this is one of the things you you get to appreciate this is the only joy of growing old is being a crotchety old man um (laughs) and you realize how being able to say i told you so yeah well but you realize you realize things that you know things that happen slowly do accumulate over time and and you know a lot of things if you played things out at a faster pace people would find them a lot more alarming than they than they than they do find them if they were just happening more quickly 
And you realize, you know, he's ranting back in the 70s about commercialization and corporatization. Um, you, you know, now you guys live in a world where you're inundated with logos. You can't turn on your television anymore without without a logo being somewhere on the, for the station you're watching, being on that screen for the entire broadcast day. You know, there used to be limits to advertising on television. There used to be like a 12 minute per hour or 12 minutes per for, for whatever length of time it was. Um, yeah, and- I, I was just going to jump in and, and wonder how many of our, our listeners today are either aware of or are old enough to realize that the 24-hour news cycle and that ticker at the bottom of your screen was actually invented during uh, uh, the early 2000s. That was, that was a product of, quote-unquote, 9-11. Uh, yeah, like these things that, you know, so we just sort of take it for granted. But, you know, like this, like, yeah, we, we sort of take it for granted. That, like slowly over time, media has consolidated. Uh, you know, fewer entities own more and more outlets. And, and, you know, we used to have discussions about this. People used to be very worried about this. But but we never win these discussions. Like the, the sort of the, the relentless pace is always, you know, and, uh, until something, you know, much more drastic happens, I guess, until there's much more drastic pushback. Uh, these you just see these things happen over time, and you realize, you know, you know. I look back to conversations we had about, say, ads in the public space, and like in you know commercialization. You know, children children are being targeted by advertisers like as as young as eighteen months old. You know, and you just realize that this has been the pace of things, and and you you look back, and you you know, I realize people growing up today, they just they just take it for granted that they they live in this highly corporatized, highly commercialized, uh, highly branded world, and. Um, and 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 so you know you listen to this ranch and you think well some of it is you know just the same as the 1970s and but some of it is just substantially worse well let's i think you perfectly set up the next clip so uh what i just want to let people know if you haven't seen the movie network we have one other quick clip we're going to play from it and and then we're done for a little bit with clips um but the the a lot of people might think if they've never seen the movie, they might think that that rant at the end, the Howard the, the Howard Beale piece that we just played, might have been like the exciting uh, conclusion of the movie, and that that was sort of the good guy, you know, the good guy wins and he breaks the system and. It's really not. Um, the movie is actually incredibly depressing. That rant was actually fairly near the beginning, um, and the movie is more actually about breaking this man's spirit than it is about sort of the victory of the common man. Um, and so let's go. Let's go to this now. So you were talking about sort of the world that we live in, and you know, a lot of people that I think sort of are concerned about these issues. A lot of them. Uh, there's a lot of people, but as you say, we we don't win. And and I think this next clip will explain why not. Because I think a lot of people in the world agree with Howard Beale's boss, which is this clip coming up now. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature, Mr. Beale, and I won't have it. Is that clear? You think you merely stopped a business deal? That is not the case. The Arabs have taken billions of dollars out of this country, and now they must put it back. It is ebb and flow, tidal gravity. It is ecological balance. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There are no Russians. There are no Arabs. There are no third worlds. There is no West. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and imane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. Petrodollars, electrodollars, multi-dollars, Reichmarks, rims, rubles, pounds, and shekels. It is the international system of currency which determines 
the totality of life on this planet. That is the natural order of things today. That is the atomic and subatomic and galactic structure of things today. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Am I getting through to you, Mr. Beale? You get up on your little 21-inch screen and howl about America and democracy. There is no America. There is no democracy. There is only IBM and ITT and AT&T and DuPont, Dow, Union Carbide, and Exxon. Those are the nations of the world today. What do you think the Russians talk about in their councils of state? Karl Marx? They get out their linear programming charts, statistical decision theories, min and max solutions, and compute the price cost probabilities of their transactions and investments, just like we do. We no longer live in a world of nations and ideologies, Mr. Beale. The world is a college of corporations inexorably determined by the immutable bylaws of business. The world is a business, Mr. Beale. It has been since man crawled out of the slime. <laughs> that speech gives me such shivers. I think the, the only thing that really jumped out at again, if you're uh, just in case, because we're, we're doing such a non-standard format today, if you happen to be tuning in, <laughs> believe it or not, you're listening to the Green Majority today. Uh, <clears throat> I think the only thing that didn't ring incredibly true for me in that was when he mentioned something about on your little 21-inch screen. Yes, it's much about, bigger screens now. That's about the average size of a tablet rather than the, <laughs> home, uh, uh, the home computer. But, uh, Stefan, we, we skipped you in the, in the previous piece, mm. so uh, I, wondered, I wanted to give you an opportunity maybe to chime in on some of these themes. Does this um, would you would you sort of agree with uh, Kevin largely that we're basically in the same spot that we were, if not worse? Uh, yeah, I, I think. Well, I I was not alive uh, in 1976. Nor uh, was I. <laughs> so I so I have a hard time speaking exactly whether or not uh, we are in the same place, uh, at least to the same extent that Kevin could. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, rub it in. <laughs> Just rub it in, young young men with hair. <laughs> It's a lot of. It's actually, I, I gotta get a haircut soon. So it's, a, it's we have a lot of hair. This has been the most hair in this studio since uh, at least for a while now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I, I think like of co- like I think we're. It's uh, what I find interesting about that bit uh, is that it's it is very it, it rings very true at least in that that we are that, that it's so it is hard to argue that that corporations do not have a a very powerful influence in in our in our world now uh, and it's. I, again, I wasn't alive in 1976, but I would be surprised if it, to hear that if it has not been increasing since then, um, especially at least with wealth disparity. Uh, but I also um, – I've been wanting to talk about my pen this entire time uh, because because my pen I think is, uh, is, 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 is a great example. I have this pen. Uh, it was given to me for Christmas, which, uh, which of course is the great consumer co- corporate holiday uh, that we celebrate here in, in, in 
well, a lot of the West. Uh, and it's called the Fisher Space Tech Pen. Mm. And it's actually one of the pens that was helped designed by NASA uh, to write in space. So mm. I own a pen that could write in space for no real reason. I know, do not plan to write in space. I guess I could write it upside down if I wanted to, which is always handy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's this pen. Um, and my favorite story about the space, the space pens is that NASA spent millions and millions of dollars uh, during the space race to develop a pen that could write in space. Uh, and so they finally did it. And then if, years later, they went back to one to find out what the Russians did. And the Russians used pencils. <laughs> um, and that has always been my favorite story. Uh, because it sort of goes to show you that we live in, this, we live in, a, in a world that very much decides that that, that sees itself as 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 pro- progress is innovation. Innovation is moving forward. I saw this. I saw this recent thing about. I can't remember what ad it was for. It was, but it was. It was basically saying like. I think it was saying that like en- like Cenevis or something was mm. innovation, mm. Um, or it was. It was just saying something was innovation. I can't remember what it was, and it was just sort of like the idea that moving forward it, or creating this new gadget is always better, and that other all, all these sort of that you, you sort of see this that like let's make all these new things and then all the new things will then drive the the, the world forward um, when so often there's something else that just that that we did before that works mm. um, and and I think you see that uh, to tie slightly back to the environment you see that with the tool library to some extent uh, which is our favorite thing to, to plug on the show uh, because here's an idea that's yeah, like why aren't we sponsored by the tool library I don't know well we're not allowed sponsors oh right because they don't have any money and <laughs> we're not allowed <laughs> sponsors two really really critical yes. pieces of information uh, well finally sponsored there is like well we're a business Darren uh, we're surprising the show is not a business <laughs> the world is a business but this show is not <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah so it comes down I think I, th- I think what's interesting about it is is while it rings true there's there's a level of personhood in amongst every corporation every corporation is made up of people and so i think when you look at it as a macro sense every all of this rings true mm. uh but what ultimately if we are to be saved what ultimately will be safe will save us is the humanity within these corporations mm. uh and whether or not that will happen is uh, up in the air but that's that that's my two cents at least on that issue all right i have a quick comment and then um i'm gonna go for a quick comment from kevin but we'll in a minute let's queue up our uh let's queue up our, our last music break here for for just a moment from now uh my quick comment on that was i think i think the the, the place that we keep i think fumbling the ball here a little bit in the discussion about you know how do we go about um taking this information which is you know what we just try and do on this show is try and disseminate uh, good information um per and and as frequently as possible, combine it with a little bit of insight, uh, either provoking it in, in other people's or providing our own, simply providing our own. <clears throat> but one of the things where I think we really fumble the ball here, and then I'll, I'll basically, Kevin, I'll just get your comment uh, on this before we go to our music break, uh, was the idea that, you know, uh, people say, you know, people say that, that that rant, that clip was was the world that we live in. And the thing is, it's a simple fact that it is. Um, but when people say that, they, they keep saying it as if it, it's ever not been that and that, and that we're, we're slowly having our, you know, our freedom taken away from us. If you really like, if you really look at history, I mean, if anything, it's the ball's moving the other, other direction. Uh, and yes, there, there are temporary victories and temporary losses, but I mean, you don't really have to go far that back before, you know, d- democracy really came out when, you know, we, we just came from kingships. And then before that, basically it was rich people and, uh, serfs, aka slaves, um, you know, and it's and in certain parts of the world, we you know we're doing be- better and worse, and in certain parts of the world, at certain times, we're, 
you know, we're going backwards frequently. I wouldn't say it's an inexorable sort of push forward. Um, but this idea that, you know, A, largely things are better now than they were in the past. We just need to keep working. The, the fact that they aren't perfect doesn't mean we're losing. So, so stop complaining. Um, don't not care. Um, but don't just spend all your time complaining. If you want something to be better, do something about it. Because it can be. Because the ball is heading in the right direction. It's just maybe moving a little slower than some of us would prefer. And the thing to do about that is to do something other than complain. You can complain. We do. But complain and do something. Uh, and, and really, I think that's where I wanted to leave you with the final comment before we go to this, this break, which was, I know it's your job to be pessimistic on the show, but is there any glimmer of hope, Kevin? Please. <laughs> yeah, I, I realize I'm, I'm being a masochist by, by asking you. but um, Wow. You, so the, you guys have brought, touched on a lot of points in rapid succession. Um, you know, if people are wondering where the arc of history is headed, um, they might want to read Thomas Piketty's book, Capital, um, which, which, among other things, concludes that left to its own devices, capitalism um, is headed towards... A, a, a less equal society, a less equal, less fair society. And and that has been the relentless trend of capitalism since its inceptions, interrupted only briefly by some countervailing forces like the Second World War and social programs that were trotted in uh, after the Second World War that, that are largely credited with having built the middle class in, the, in America, in the, in the United States, and so on. So if you're talking about the arc of history... Um, one thing I've always noticed is that no matter what what system of organization we use, someone always finds a way to corrupt it and form a power, a command and control power structure with it. Uh, you know, you can argue these things endlessly. Like one of the failings failings of communism, among other things, might you know to me seems to be the history of communism also became a corrupt uh, centralized command and control system. You know, the party members were the elite of that system. And it just had its own, it had its own, it became its own power structure. Uh, along those lines, uh, the notion that um, uh, in that clip that uh, the corporations, the nations of the world, it's entirely true. While we were failing to come to grips with the implications of corporate personhood in society, these, these persons have become nations. And, I mean, we are so far behind the proper conversation on that that it's just not even funny. And this guy, I mean, this, this point was being made back in the 70s. If people haven't seen the, the documentary, The Corporation, just go see it. Um, it talks about the, the, the implications of, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about that, a corporate, per, corporate personhood. But, like I said, they've become, they've become nations. Uh, as and many many of the largest corporations, you know, are, are have more resources than than many nations. Uh, so, uh, and you know, is for you know which way is the which way is the which way is the arc of history headed? <laughs> uh, you know, that's that's a that's a good question. I think I think I think if you study history, there's there's plenty to worry about. Um, there, there's a relentless pressure in all societies to form elites and and. Um, essentially the supplicant class and it, wealth disparity seems to be the, the wealth the wealth disparity inherent in, inherent in capitalism seems to be accomplishing that today despite the fact that we like to call it a democratic system uh, so and and you know, oh the last point I want to make about corporatization and this sort of business ethic is though is now we're supposed to run governments as though they're businesses like one of the reasons home delivery of mail is being canceled in Canada by the Harper government is uh, apparently they argue this it's not entirely true but that the Canada Post isn't turning a profit why should a government service be turning a profit 
<laughs> I mean, that's why you collectivize things and pay taxes. You, so you can provide services, right? So that you don't have like seniors and people with disabilities trudging, you know, several blocks in in on unplowed sidewalks to find vandalized community mailboxes. Like, <laughs> well, and the point I think you're, what you're saying, like another way of saying that might be that if it was profitable, we wouldn't need a government to do it. The company would already be doing it. Well, yes, and like no. if if that was the point, yeah. it was that governments should seek out profitable things. Yeah, and it, in that particular discussion, when they, I heard two economists on a current affairs show saying with a perfectly straight face that what they should do is hive off the profitable roots that existed. Like the, if you if you if you if you analyze uh, Canada Post's operations root by root, some of them are considered profitable and some of them aren't considered profitable. And these guys said with a straight face, "Well, we should hive off the profitable roots and privatize those." So. What? The problem is that Canada Post isn't making money and you want to privatize the parts of it that are considered profitable. So, to so make the, the, the government part even less profitable. Exactly. The remaining, the remaining publicly owned portion is even more of a burden on the, on the taxpayer. I'm pretty sure the word for that is toxic assets. That sounds very, very, you know, let's take all the bad, the things that aren't profitable that, that it's, you know, and bundle those all together. Yeah, so you know, part of yeah, part of the discussion needs to be this the you know, the the uh, you know, the creeping corporatization and creeping commercialization which is is doing far more than creeping. It's moving at a pace that can't be described as creeping anymore. But it has to be this whole ethic of of profit and you know, if if we someday we're going to live in a steady state economy on this planet. We're we're going to achieve limits to growth and we're going to find some way to just live sustainably at some steady pace. And and when that happens, I, I think we're going to have an entirely different notion of uh, – I, I expect the notion of profit, endless profit, all of us continually profiting from each other somehow weirdly in a closed system. There's this ability to just keep all of us profiting from exchanges uh, confined amongst ourselves. I think that I think that word is going to be considered a very bizarre artifact of, of this previous civilization that we're living in now. Uh, I really, really wanted to play this uh, this clip, which is sort of is sort of my message for the future a little bit, which is funny because we've been playing clips in reverse chronological order. Uh, we had V for Vendetta first, and then we went back to the network from 1976. I forget when V for Vendetta came out, but it was since 2000. 2000. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so now we're going all the way back, all the way back to 1940. This is a clip featuring Charlie Chaplin, very, very famous clip. Um, unless you have are, are not aware of the internet, you've probably you may you may not have heard this if you if you've never been on the internet before uh, but I want to play it this is Charlie Chaplin's incredible speech from The Great Dictator from 1940 we'll be right back after this clip I'm sorry but I don't want to be a, an emperor that's not my business I don't want to rule or conquer anyone I should like to help everyone if possible Jew, Gentile black man, white we all want to help one another human beings are like that we want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. 
The aeroplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world, millions of despairing men, women, and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people, and so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate. Only the unloved hate. The unloved and the unnatural. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery. Fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke it is written, the kingdom of God is within man. Not one man, nor a group of men. But in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power. The power to create machines. The power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. Then in the name of democracy, let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. A decent world that will give men a chance to work, that will give youth a future and old age a security. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power. But they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with national barriers, to do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Let us fight for a world of reason, a world where science and progress will lead to all men's happiness. Let us all unite! All right, and we're down to our last two minutes, so we don't really have a lot of time to, to comment on that clip, other than uh, the reason uh, to just me to say why I chose to play it. And I think one of the, the theme for this week was that the world we live in in 2015 has a lot fancier toys than it used to. The, the types of ways that we communicate are very different, and the, the very specific issues that we need to think about and we need to uh, be aware of are ever-changing. But the themes are the same. Uh, the things that we want uh, can't be sort of uh, earned, they have to be maintained. We need to, you know, be vigilant um, for peace and justice and equality for everybody. And it's not something that we can just, you know, say that we want because it's constantly in threat. It's an ebb and flow of history and of sort of people who care about others more than themselves and vice versa. And uh, I think, you know, the, the message for 2015 was... You know, there's there's a lot of people even on the, you know, on every side of every issue that I think are very, very concerned with, you know, who to be mad at and who to hate and who to be concerned about and who needs to be yelled at and who needs to be in trouble and who's the good and who's the bad. And uh, my message for 2015 is simply one of love and coming together. We're all in this together. Let's act like it. That's the Green Majority for this week. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. But until then, have a great week, guys, and happy new year. <laughs>